0: Welcome to the strong life coach podcast where we speak life coach life write life and lead life today i'm joined in the podcast studio by raisa rivas solis raisa welcome to the show
1: thank you thank you so much for having me i'm super excited
0: all right i'm excited as well if you're listening in i want you to know a little bit about raisa she is an attorney with a law office and she's a law office owner of raisa d rivas uh, based out of Las Vegas. The primary office is in, La- is in Las Vegas and the secondary is in Orange County. She was born in LA, raised in Vegas. Her undergraduate degree is from the UNLV and she graduated law school from Western State College of Law. Raisa, what inspired you to become an attorney?
1: Uh, Well, I primarily wanted to become an immigration attorney. Um, My parents are immigrants from El Salvador, and they escaped the Civil War um, that was going on over there in the early 80s. And so uh, my dad, the person who helped him um, fix his residency, um, became a dear friend. um, And so he always inspired me to become someone, an immigration attorney and be able to help other people um, that came in his exact same position. So, um, so my focus wasn't only to be an attorney, but it was to be uh, specifically an immigration attorney.
0: Mm, Fascinating. And, 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 and what age were you during that time period when you began to have that first dream and vision for, for the immigration attorney?
1: So the crazy thing is that even in high school, um, I don't know if I knew how to argue well, but even my teachers used to tell me that I should become a lawyer. And um, and so my dad probably started telling me around 15, 16 years old. Um, but of course, I used to be like, oh, my gosh, it's going to take forever. Um, I'd be like 30 by the time that I become an attorney, which for me was ancient. Now I'm 33. so <laughs> And I'm like, oh, I'm super young. <laughs> Um, but, um, so, so that's when, when I was, was going to start college, it was, it wasn't an option. It was like right after high school, I was going to go to college no matter what. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and so I, my, my dad is the one that, uh, that told me, uh, directed me to that. And I, um, so, so when I signed up for college, that's when I decided, you know what, I, I don't know what else I'm going to do, so I might as well just uh, figure out how I can become an immigration attorney. And then once I actually started getting into it and started envisioning it, that's when I became super excited about it. So that's actually a tip that I give a lot of my friends because a lot of my friends do tell me that their parents never... um, and never push them to go to college. They never even saw that in their future. Um, like, it's like their parents didn't even believe that they were capable of pursuing um, a career or anything like that. And so one of the things that I always tell my friends for your children, always push them, always let them see that. And sometimes when you're a kid, when you're a teenager, you're not gonna know the direction where your life is gonna go. So a lot of the times parents are like, oh, well, they can figure it out. Or once they start college, they can figure it out. But really you can help them and guide them. And based on maybe their personality or characteristics, you can um, guide them into what career they should be leading to.
0: Wow. I love that principle. And for the parents listening in, I think they can benefit from that. The idea of the way they have an impact on the calling and the entire trajectory of your life, you know, I mean, of your career. Um, But even um, I I, I love the idea because sometimes I was actually in a a coaching session earlier today with an attorney here in Texas. And we were just having a conversation about the role parents of attorneys play. And it's it's such a fascinating topic. I said, you know what? I might need to do an entire podcast series, just um, talking to the attorneys about their parents and what their parents did to help them uh, move into this. um, It's really, it's really it's a prestigious, career you know many times attorneys are put on this pedestal and uh, and it, it's fascinating to think about how um your dad speaking that belief and that direction into you really has really changed or are giving you vision for the next 10 20 30 40 years of your journey
1: yes and i do think that um there are um uh, in Latin American countries or in maybe other third world countries, um, it's based on who you know, and that's the only way you're going to succeed in life or move up in status. And so um, our our past generation is so used to that, that no, they are always gonna be the laborer and not the boss. And so um, it's you know time to break that barrier and know that here in the United States, we can accomplish anything we want. Doesn't matter where you come from. My dad was a construction worker. My mom works in the bank in a casino and i was able to sit next to uh, you know kids of doctors of judges of other attorneys um, in law school and i got to graduate with them so everything is possible here and you are able to succeed no matter what challenges or circumstances you your past comes from and so that's a mentality that we have to break um, as first generation latinos you know or even second generation that we can accomplish everything and it's not a position for somebody else it could be a position for us
0: yes i love that I, I love that so much let me tell you why because i a couple of weeks ago i was on ancestry.com you know every now and then i'll, I'll google my last name to figure out like what can i find out like more about my history my people and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's it, it, my last name is guajardo which people can't spell or say most of the time um but i, I remember looking it up and to your point i was curious with some of the history, like in the, in the 1940s, 1950s, there there's some some data that would show what most of the men did um during those time periods, which was you know, working on a farm or a truck driver or something very a very blue-collar. And then what did the women do? And, you know, they were um they were you know homemades or they were, you know, ma- maids at home and and uh and I remember somewhat of going through the disappointment of I I had some kind of hope that I would look into my history and say, oh, like they made it, you know? Like, man, they, they're they educated people. They they persevered, they did all of these great things. But I, I, but I found myself a little bit disappointed. But again, not that, uh, to your point, not that working hard with your hands is a bad thing. There's great character and there's praiseworthy characteristics in that. But to your point about breaking barriers of, well, yeah, if you want to do that, okay, great. But if if you if you want to do something else, you can as well. And then having more representation, like you're talking about, even whether that's you're the first generation or second or wherever people are that you're listening, I think it's such a powerful thing to, to cap to uh, to mention.
1: Yes. I definitely agree with that.
0: So w- what do you enjoy most about being an attorney?
1: Well, it, it specifically with immigration, I mean, it's absolutely incredible when you get to provide your client a employment authorization card or a residency card or their citizenship certificate or they're detained and you're able to get them out on bond. I mean, it's just things that not only uh, positively um help assist the client but also their future generations their family if my client gets to have more opportunity here in the United States then their children will benefit from like oh you know it's just one person at a time and there's so many um, people that you know need help and my my sister reminded me like no you're actually helping their whole entire family it's many people that you end up impacting when you help one person and so that's definitely the best uh, part of it um, the gratitude you know that then appreciation that my clients have for me it's just everything like there's no, no price to it there's it, it, it's absolutely incredible the, that satisfaction of being able to impact someone so much to give them that peace of mind the happiness the unity of their family it's just it's amazing
0: yes when I, when I hear you describe it, you're, you, you i am hearing somebody who's fulfilled and giving hope to other families and, and hope to their income situation. You give them hope to, of course, being united and being together. Um, but I think whenever I'm talking to somebody who speaks with so, so much passion about what they do, it's, it's, it's a, it's a rare moment. I, I, I've, I've read some of the statistics and I've talked to a number of people about how satisfied they are in their career. And many times the results come back. I mean, at one point I was like, man, I have seen like nine out of 10 people I was speaking to hated their job or hated their career. But it's such a precious um, gift for you um, to be in a career that you have um, this much passion for and, this, and you get this, this much fulfillment from.
1: Yeah. So that's also definitely something um, When I used to hear sometimes, you know, like, oh, I know so-and-so is an attorney and they hate it or things like that. When I was, I used to be a bank teller and I used to um, meet different attorneys and some of them were miserable in their position and some of them were very happy in their position. And what I started realizing was that the field that they were in was something that they weren't passionate about. Um, also, you can't do things when it only has to do with money. And um, I've realized that as the time has gone by as well, I've read books where, you know, they say, especially for entrepreneurs, you have to get into something that you're really passionate about and that you love and that it's rewarding to you that and it, it has nothing to do with money, because if you're only in involved in something that for the for the only sole purpose of money, it's never going to fulfill you in any way um, as if you'd be really passionate about it. So the um, even even as um, my dream was to become an immigration attorney, my dad also um, told me that I was going to own my own law firm. So that was also like my goal as I was um, uh, doing internships or working for other attorneys, I was trying to absorb everything I possibly could because I wanted to have my own office. And so now uh, we're a team of nine. It's all first-generation Latinos. We are all impacted. I mean, I I have you know uh, legal assistants that are right now their families are in the process of getting their citizenship or they just got their residency a year ago. And so all of us we are personally impacted by immigration. And so um, I'm very proud of my team. They're super passionate about Uh, also helping others and so um, even that is so amazing to be able to and during this pandemic I've had all of them employed none of I haven't had to lay anybody off we've actually hired new people so it's been absolutely amazing to know that I even get to impact my community in that way where uh, we're you know we're building uh, businesses and also uh, providing opportunity to our own people so that's that's the difference too about like how you were saying Um, It's not that um, working with your body or doing a laborious um, job is is bad, but if you can start your own business and be able to employ others and, you know, move up like that, then that's, what's amazing. So your mindset should always be to dream big and not limit yourself into, Oh, I always have to work for someone else or, or someone else is always going to be, you know, controlling my schedule or, you know, et cetera. So that's, that's basically, so I, I get what you mean when you say that, that it doesn't really matter what field it is, as long as you're passionate about it and you can make it big, then, you know, that's amazing to, to have those types of goals and dreams, um, you know, inside.
0: Wow. Wow. Okay. Let's, let's talk about your dad for a moment. Cause I mean, I mean, this man was speaking life into you <laughs> I mean, he was speaking life into, Hey, you're going to be an attorney, but, and not just an attorney, you're going to be a law firm owner. So, so I'm going to ask you a kind of a unique question here. Um, where did you think your dad learned that from like what what was he reading what was he thinking I, I feel like that's such a rare precious um characteristic in anybody uh, much more so in a parent where do you think he learned that from
1: so my dad has a very unique uh background um, his dad actually used to be an engineer in El Salvador and he um his his dad was from a wealthy family unfortunately he died when he was years when my dad was nine years old. And um, because his mother never married him, you know, this whole status uh, issues, they, the the wealthy family never claimed my father and his brother. And so they pretty much kicked them out. It was like a telenovela, you know, kicked them out. He had to be raised with his poor side of the family. Uh, I mean, they went through so many struggles, like from having everything, nannies, cars, a, a huge quinta that they used to live in to, you know, having to sleep on the floor not knowing where their next, you know, meal was going to come from. And he had to start working when he was 10 years old. He would pay for his own schooling. His mom and his grandma would tell him that to stop going to school, that it was going to get him nowhere. And he continued to pay for his own schooling. And so um, his dream was to become an engineer one day. And he said that when he was in El Salvador and in that Poverty, he used to tell himself, like, I don't belong here, I can, I can achieve something more, I can achieve something more in life. And so that kind of always like was in him, um, that drive and ambition to do something better. And so Um, he wanted to become an engineer, but when the civil war broke out, the public universities closed down. And so they used them more like to store weapons and things like that. And so private universities were just unreachable for my mom and my dad, because my, my mom wanted to be a nurse. She was a valedictorian in her school. They both, I feel like liked school. And so, um, so then, uh, the either the rebels or the military were trying to recruit all these young kids and at this time my dad was around 17 18 years old and so that's when he decided like I have to go to the United States I'll have you know better opportunities to achieve something more maybe get a career and so um, and so him and my, my mother ended up um, coming to, to the United States with my older brother um, and the crazy thing is that he tells me, you know, when you come to the United States, you have these dreams that everything's going to be so easy. And he's like, and then I, I get here, I um, had to buy, you know, a, a couple of outfits at the thrift store and um, just work and work and, and, you know, be in two, three different buses, like to get to work. Um, he's like, um, he tried to go to school, he tried to uh, take English classes, and he's like, but because of work, I was late a few times, the teacher told me I couldn't go back, and so all of these, like, limitations, you know, a lot of people judge immigrants um, as to, like, oh, why don't they learn English, or why haven't they, you know, continued schooling, or why, you know, all of those limitations that they have, like, people don't see those things. Like these, people a lot of immigrants wish they could prosper in that way or succeed in that way, but there's so many limitations for them that, um, all, all they're trying to do is really survive and work hard every single day. And so we lived in LA, like I said, I was born in LA and, um, we lived 10 people in a two bedroom apartment in uh, Echo Park, um, when it wasn't all hipster, <laughs> it was, you know, filled with gangs and things like that. And, um, so even then, uh, my dad was working and um, he'd lost his job. It was like when they were closing factories and things like that in L.A. And um, his landlord told him, you know what, like you have two U.S. citizen children, because by this time I, w- I was born and my younger brother was born. And he told them, uh, you can... As for welfare, you have uh, you know, go every uh, there's a bunch of people here that ask for food stamps, they ask for money for rent, and things like that. And so, my dad's mentality again was like, No, I did not come to the United States to also live in this poverty, and so I have to do something else. So, that's when he decided to move to Las Vegas, um, and um, he, he knew carpentry he had been an apprentice in um in El Salvador and so he just started knocking on the doors all over Vegas Vegas was booming it was growing so much so that's how he was able to um uh, become a carpenter and he's been doing that for so if you can see all the woodwork back here that's my dad <laughs> ah. <laughs> that's my dad's work and um yeah so unfortunately it's, I I know he loves carpentry. Um, he, he does an amazing job and, um, but it's very sad for me to see that my parents wanted to do so much more and they weren't able to because of the challenges that they had to face when they came to the United States. And basically their whole life was then dedicated to, I'm going to help my children make their dreams come true. And so that's why I feel like that's the rare thing about my father is that he, um, Ne- was never afraid I'm sorry um he was never afraid to um uh to to accomplish to to help us dream for more um and he never settled he always um made us think that you know made us believe that we could achieve more and so um so that I, I'm so thankful for him because mm. my, my mom it's so funny she gets jealous she's like oh how come you always you know mention your dad and you don't you know. <laughs> shout out you know but she's super sweet I love her too she's she's helped me out so much um but I always tell her mom I feel like you were proud of me like with anything that I would do I'm like if I would have like just become like a supervisor or something like you would have said oh she's the best uh the supervisor ever you know like like she she always like pumped you up in that way but my dad was the one who's always challenged us to do something greater so I think that's uh that that's what's been unique about him and I hope that a lot of other parents end up uh, like I said even my friends if their parents didn't have that in them for us to be able to give that to our our children
0: Mm. wow oh my goodness (laughs) I feel like hey can can we get your dad a tv show can we just put (laughs) you said it a della novella but I'm telling Mm -hmm. you there's so so much beauty in that story um I know I felt emotionally moved um inspired, you know, if, and to see it, the, the fruit of it, right? Like you, like, right? you know, you're doing, like, you are the, that legacy, um, you're carrying on the legacy that you're, 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 you are the fulfillment of his dream. And yeah. even as your law firm expands, and as you're in, uh, incidentally, you're also in where you were born and then, you know, raised in Vegas and Orange County um anyway I think that's a beautiful story thank you for sharing that with us let me ask you about that so h- how did you end up with um Orange County office and a Vegas office how did that come about
1: okay so um oh and a little side note uh my dad tells me because I go to LA court also um immigration uh court in downtown LA and uh he tells me like it's so crazy to me that I used to see people you know in their suits going into those tall you know high-rise buildings and now you're one of those people and I used to see them from the bus that I had arrived, ride you know so it's awesome that like in just one generation we were able to change so much um but yeah so I um I was raised in Vegas but I always loved California and I always thought that I was going to go back and I was going to permanently be there so um I moved to L.A. for about a year, and that's when I was studying for my LSAT exam, which is the um, entry exam to get into law school, and then um, I was accepted in Orange County. So um, so I thought that my primary one would be in Orange County and my secondary would be in Vegas. But since I was raised in Vegas, I mean, everyone knew I was passionate about immigration since they can remember. So it was literally like everyone was waiting for me to graduate in order to hire me. And so um, I started getting so busy in Vegas. Like at first I started coming every couple of weekends and then I started coming like one whole week out of, you know, out of the month and then I was like, you know what, I, we might as well like, so my, my, I met my husband in Orange County and so I, we, we decided that once we would get married, we would um, move over here. So um, we've been here since uh, I would say July of 2018. So it's been a couple of years. And so I still kept my Orange County one. Um, open. I have a, a secondary one over there because I still have some LA cases. And um, it seems like uh, most people that have family in um, from Southern California, uh, they live in Vegas or vice versa. And so um, it's nice to be able to have um, the um, that type of access for both of the of the states. And then also I passed the bar exam in California. And so I do have access to all of the courts and everything over there. Um, the cool thing is that with immigration law, since it's federal, um, as long as you pass the bar exam in one state, you can practice anywhere in the United States because it's federal law.
0: Oh, got it. OK, OK. Um, well, I, I love what you're doing. I'm telling you. Um, uh, I'm inspired. I, I, I'm very much inspired. I, know, I know we're not even ending the podcast yet, but I just want you to know that right now that um, I'm very inspired by by what you're doing um again your, your your history the history with with what you what your story brings it is it is uh tremendously powerful um let, let me ask you what is one challenge um, you faced as an attorney and uh, how and th- that you've overcome?
1: Okay. Um, Well, personally, um, I, when I first, because I'm so passionate about immigration, it's like I was putting myself in the shoes of my clients, but a lot of the times that was like mentally and emotionally affecting me, it was draining me. So, you know, when when the uh, the ones that were hardest for me were the people that are barely entering the United States, and they um, they have their interviews, they have their evidence of the persecution that they're suffering, and they still get denied from even um, being able to fight their case in the United States, and. So- so it's just so scary to know that like the second they go back to their country they're going to face huge danger or they could be killed you know from you know in a couple of days and so um things like that used to get to me a lot and um I, of course I talked to my parents about it because that I feel like that's how attorneys can become addicted to uh, you know uh narcotics or alcohol or things like that you know they try to numb that pain and so um i wanted to make sure that i found some type of support before something like because i would see myself you know oh you know just wanting to have a glass of wine or a beer like every single day or something you know because of the stress and so i was like no this isn't the way that i should be coping with um what's going on you know and so so i talked to my mom and my dad and they were like you know what um there's doctors that their patients die and they did everything they possibly could and um they couldn't save them you know and so your job is to make sure so sorry it's it's actually my dad (laughs) so uh so um so so they they tell me you know um they your job is to make sure that you're giving a hundred percent of your uh, representation that you can sleep peacefully, peacefully at night, knowing that you did everything possible for this person. And at the end of the day, you know, it's the officer who had, who makes the decision, or it's the judge who makes the decision. And so I think that really, really helped me overcome that challenge as far as me being so hard on myself, you know? Um, And so, so yeah, as long as I know that I did everything possible to represent my client, that I, did it effectively and efficiently, then at the end of the day, you know, I have no total control and that should still give me peace of mind.
0: Mm, yes. Yes. You know, you, you remind me of the quote that talks about, you know, to give your best, you know, let the universe take care of the rest or, you know, let God take care of the rest. But, but, um, but I love that notion because there's so many things that are out of our control. What I'm hearing from you is focusing what's in your control and and in a, in a similar concept, it's the idea of never letting things, all that we cannot do influence all that we can do. And I'm, what I'm hearing from you is just taking ownership for everything that you can control and and not, and and, and like what you said, you said peace of mind with everything else.
1: Exactly. So that's basically how I've had to deal with a lot of challenges and, you know, so the crazy thing is that I once I um, found out today actually marks four days since I mean, four years since I found out that I had passed the bar exam and that I could practice um, law. And so um, it had been like two weeks since the Trump administration had won. And so I. Um, I've basically had to deal with all of the immigration issues, all of their policies and everything pretty much since I started practicing law. And so that was also a huge challenge. Um, And uh, I used to think to myself, you know what, maybe because I'm a new attorney and I've only really practiced under this administration, I think that um, they're being really hard on immigrants or their policies are, you know, I think they're unfair, but maybe it's been like this before. Um, So the good thing is that I've been able to actually uh, I, have, I have joined other chats, other groups um, with other attorneys, and we kind of vent about what's going on. And uh, what surprised me is that there is one attorney who said that he had been practicing since 1980 for 40 years, and he had never seen such a disaster of what was going on with immigration policies. So then it made me feel like, oh, okay, it's not just me that's going crazy, you know. And so um, definitely, I'm so excited to see, you know, what new changes are going to be happening in the next year. Um, but that has, um, all those challenges have made me obviously a lot stronger. Um, I've had to be, it's crazy. You're not only an attorney, you're more like of a therapist and a counselor to your clients. You know, they always say when someone's coming to look for a lawyer, it's not because they're happy. It's usually because they have issues, some issue going on. And so, um, I've had to be that person that, you know, is giving people hope. And even if sometimes you don't feel it in the inside, you know, and so now I, I, it's been a huge, you know, sigh of relief. I mean, I have attorney friends that are even dreamers right now, you know, and they were under the threat of not knowing what was going to happen with their future, um, if they were going to continue to, you know, to be able to even work. And so um, all of those things now, I'm, I'm excited for what's uh, you know, going to, to, uh, start, but it's, was, it's been definitely a very, very challenging four years. So,
0: wow. Um, well, you know, hearing you, um, no, no, you you said a phrase. I want to, want to clarify you. So you said dreamers, Is, does that phrase mean something more than, than DACA? Yeah. Um, again, just you're, you're talking to somebody who knows very, very little about the okay. inside world.
1: Okay, so um, so the Obama administration um, provided um, this uh, program called DACA, which was for children arrivals that had come into the United States as children. And they've come to they've gone to school here in the United States. And so what he provided was a work permit and his um, policy, his immigration strategy was uh, more like uh, it was it dealt with. That's my husband in case you want. (laughs) Uh, So, so his, his policies were more like we are going to um, protect those who are benefiting our country, who, um, who, who uh, are good members of society, who are people of good moral character. And, um, and obviously, if you do get into serious um, crime, then that's, that's when, uh, immigration courts or ICE would deal with the people. And so, um, it was, it, so DACA is actually a deferred action, which means you are not priority for the United States to remove you from the United States. Um, you're not, uh, we, we don't believe that you're a danger to our community. We don't believe that, you know, um, that you're not benefiting, um, our community. And so, um, that's why they um, provided this uh, deferred action. So with the deferred action, you also get a work permit. And so I was able to witness. So when I was younger, uh, my dad was a minister, and um, we were in a low income um, neighborhood where where the church was um, at. And so I got to meet a lot of kids that have just arrived from their country. And so I started noticing the the, the lack of opportunity that they had to aspire to even have a better future. I mean, I had some friends that wanted to go to cosmetology school and they needed to have a social for that. And so, um, it was kind of like that, that's what, continues the cycle of not not being able to reach anything better because you don't have the opportunities to even become anything better. And so um, when DACA was established, um, it provided them a social, it provided them a work permit. And so um, they, they don't get any federal loans. They don't get free insurance. Like a lot of people, they, they have the stereotype that they're getting all this, these benefits that taxpayers are paying for all these benefits for them, which is not true. They actually have to pay every two years for their work permit and they um, have to pay fees um, to keep their work permit they also get uh, background checks every two years so they can't have any serious criminal background and so um, these are amazing uh, uh, young people that have now with their work permit have been able to get better jobs have been able to um, buy homes you know buy cars help our economy you know uh, Own their own law offices, employ Americans, and so it's actually been a huge benefit to the United States. And so the fact that um, they've actually canceled this uh, program is astonishing to me. And it's under the threat; it was under the threat of being completely terminated. And that was the whole uh, U.S. Supreme Court, you know, uh, 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 issues that were that have been happening. And right now, it's still pending. But the new administration has actually said that they are. they actually want to uh, help uh, DACA and DREAMers, which are other children that would fall under the category if the program was still active right now. Um, They want to provide them some pathway to obtain their residency and their citizenship. And so that's what gives me so much hope, and I'm so happy because I actually have close friends um, that were very, very, very scared um, during this administration. And, um, I know they had a huge sigh of relief when they knew that, um, things were going to change for the better. So, mm, yes. And that's just one of the many programs that have been, uh, effective. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, uh, thank you. Thank you for sharing, sh- sharing some insight with that. Of course, um, that's 100% your world. And to have an expert like you on the podcast, sharing the inside and the inside world, I think it gives, um, it gives a lot of context to your passion, to the relief you have with the new administration and to even some of the, the stress you had with the prior one um, before. So um, I think it, again, I think it's, it adds meaning and adds depth. So yeah. maybe, go ahead, go ahead.
1: So that's why I try to um, like on my Instagram, I try to share, um uh information of personal things that I know about immigration or how it personally impacts because I know that what it's crazy even even uh immigrants who aren't who weren't born in the united states it seems like as soon as they're able to adjust their status get their residency or citizenship it's like they forget about the struggle they forget about what you know everything that they had to go through and as long as it doesn't personally affect them anymore it you know they they don't worry about it anymore and so um so so it, when people, you know, worry about taxes or the economy or things like that, I feel like that's how that I even use that argument. It's like, they're actually helping our economy if you really think about it. So, you know, so things like that, like maybe you don't care about them, you know, their immigration status, because it doesn't personally affect you. But if you want to see it in the as a whole, it actually benefits us as a whole in our country. So, you know, th- th- those are types the types of things that I try to, um, uh, you know, educate people on that might not know about that area or might not know how they're actually benefiting from the programs that were implemented previously.
0: Wow. Um, So number one, um, I think uh, I'll share this. Uh, Hearing you you, and your passion about it and then thinking about to your point of um, I I spent a lot of my life like pretty fine with my own situation, but I think I've talked to you and a few other attorneys about it. I think your passion and what I hear is your passion for your people. Mm-hmm. And for over a long time, um, I, I feel like I didn't necessarily have that. And like, but but, but I think I'm getting more motivated as I'm ha- having some of these conversations um, to, be, to think beyond me and uh myself like to, to your point again when you describe somebody who is not personally influenced i'm like yep you know <laughs> But, but like if i i think what i'm getting a lot of motivation um about is helping other people so that they could have some of the opportunities that, that i have now like down the line but in other words to, to have a vested interest in uh, other people who are facing challenges just because i don't face it doesn't mean that i can't um do whatever I can within my power to advocate for issues relevant to my people.
1: Yeah, so for example, I even give, um, the, like uh, I was talking with my husband and I was like, you know, it's crazy. Um, it's crazy to think uh, that, you know, some people don't wanna vote or they, um, they think, you know, because it doesn't personally affect them, then they shouldn't, you know, worry about it. But I always think to myself, you know, It was a group of white people, white men who decided that men of other color could vote. It was uh, the decision of men to decide that women could vote. And so it was something that personally didn't affect them in any way because they had the right to do it, but they thought about other people and provided that right to other people. It was going to benefit other people, not them personally. And so that's how I think about it now. I have this right, and I should think about other people like someone thought about me when I ended up getting that right, you know? I'm
0: telling (laughs) you, you're a there's there's a lot, a lot of fire in that right there um and because n- n- now having said that like my world has very much been been helping people and but it's just been like a- all kinds of people but i think there's something about that perspective um of how my vote influences other people because um I, I, I'm gonna talk more about my story in, an, in another space not surely not on your episode but I'll say this much right here um I, I was very privileged even though my mom um she didn't get her her, uh, her, her under, undergraduate degree so she became she she's a Mexican descent she's a, she's a she was a Mexican single mother of three and um, and I watched her become a millionaire and that's a, that's an entire um podcast series that, that I want I want to talk about. But um, because of that, and she didn't become a millionaire when I was a kid. I saw her do it throughout my lifetime. Um, but I, I, the only reason I'm mentioning that is because a lot of my world has been protected and sheltered for many, many years, mm-hmm. um, and so a lot of issues other people have faced haven't applied to me. But I think now more than ever, I'm telling you, I think there, I'm on this journey where. Oh, and I'll ask you, and let me let me ask you this another unique question, because you seem to to thrive on these unique questions I'm throwing your way that weren't part of our initial. Uh, so if if, if 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 when you meet somebody else, like somebody in my world, um, um, and they're like, "Hey, I want to help you do what, do what you're doing. You're clearly making a difference with our people, um, with immigration. If somebody like me." And he's saying, hey, Raisa, like, I want to do what what I can to help support what you're doing. What, What is that? What is that for you?
1: I mean, it's literally, it can be a simple, you know, sharing of my video of, you know, whatever is like new with immigration or whatever changes are going to be, um, just to be able to reach as many people as possible. So, um, that's why I started sharing, um, these videos because, um, I would get the same questions over and over again. And I'd be like, you know what? I think this is of concern of the community. Um, and so that's, that's how I, um, wanted to reach out to people you know um just just so that that people could know what was going on because especially in our community even if people are a citizen you know you you might know a aunt or an uncle or a cousin or a friend that um is undocumented or would be affected in a certain way and so that is what um is very important to me um also you know just outreaches of like of of giving young kids motivation of how they're, they're they're going to be able to excel. So that's something that I'm very passionate about is um, talking to younger kids and not making them feel like um, the, you know, the, the, to think uh, more than, than what their circumstances are. Um, Another thing too, is that because like i'm telling you, my dad was very you know ambitious and he wanted he 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 never was in the comfort zone he he always wanted more for us um when when we moved from la to las vegas um we lived in an apartment maybe like 3 years and then after he was able to get us a brand new house and it was in a beautiful neighborhood and so um we were raised in a neighborhood that was mostly white people and so um i'm very glad that we that my dad's Church was in a low-income neighborhood because I probably would have been sheltered um, from from knowing other people, knowing undocumented people, knowing what they were struggling through. And so I had, I, I have had friends in my law school that we joined the immigration clinic together, and they'd be like. I've never met a undocumented person until I sat down with, you know, a a client like in our clinic and I, in my head, I was like, I'm pretty sure you've met them before, but you just haven't really known them in like a personal level or known, you know, their struggle. And so I'm very, I'm very happy that I was able to, um, to have, because my parents, even I, uh, my dad got his residency when I was about seven or eight years old. So I don't really recall what it was like for him to be undocumented or for my mom to be undocumented. And so, um, but I, like I said, I was able to see that in other people. My dad was a carpenter and he would have other workers. And so he always, um, Let me see them as human beings, uh, because we're all worth exactly the same, our value is exactly the same, uh, whether you have documents or not. And so um, he always showed me to have that respect for everyone and to really Think about other people and not just live in your own little bubble and so um, so for so for people who are able to have access to more um, just basically like even giving them that that type of opportunity or outreaches or. there's, you know, there's young entrepreneurs, um, you know, in our community that maybe say from someone like your mom or you, if you could give tips to them, you know, of what they could do in order to, um, you know, um, do, make a successful business or, or, you know, what we're doing right now, this is awesome, you know, because we're, it, it, you know, it's people that look like us and that they can relate, you know, to what we're going through, through the struggles and things like that. And so just breaking that stereotype of what everyone else, sees in our community, we can be that those people that empower other um, people to also, you know, uh, move up in life. So,
0: right. Well, wow. um, yes. So sign me up for whatever I could do to support you and, and um, do that. No, but, but to, to to your point um, in the read and actually, so check this out. So podcast listeners pay attention. I, I what I told um, Risa earlier, um, my mom and I had previously agreed that we, I would never talk about her being a millionaire. Like previously <laughs> uh, until today, I, literally 20 minutes before our podcast, I was telling her, I was like, look, mom, like I'm seeing so many stories where I we think you're normal. Like we look at you, I've had you as my mom, you know, I'm 35 years old. 35 years old, I've had you as my mom. We think you're normal and you're not. And we have this story that we kept I that we're now we're not hiding, but we just no, no, we, we just try to respect it. And I was like, and the reason I, I felt okay saying it now is because I asked her about, Hey, what if we started telling you more of your story? And I, I was talking about podcasting with, with my mom. She's on two of my episodes. But anyway, I'm, I'm saying this is, um, what you just explained is exactly what I just pitched my mom, um, uh, before our episode, because I said, look, how many Mexican women, Millionaires are there in the world and it became become a millionaire without their education, their, their, their undergraduate degree, and then also being a single mom of three kids during one portion. Like, again, like, how many on the planet are there? And maybe there are more that I just don't know, but 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 anyway, I'm saying all that to your point of sharing tips on how to build a business. Um, I think there's something about you immigration attorneys that really just like. Get the get the passion going with you. And then I feel like I, I just can't help but but catch be ignited by some of your passion.
1: Thank you. Yeah. And so uh, and and it and it's understandable. Obviously I'm nowhere near a millionaire yet. Me neither. Hopefully. Me neither. <laughs> Um, But it's, it's understandable when um, sometimes people might think you're showing off when you find success, or when you're able to accomplish something great. And so, um, so sometimes you feel intimidated, like, oh, maybe I shouldn't show this, or maybe I shouldn't show that, because people are going to think that I'm showing off. But really, what you want to do is empower people. And so I've realized that there's many more people that love me and many more people that support me and are inspired by my story than those people who hate, you know, and so, or that are envious. And so, um, I will continue sharing my story, you know, and I will continue to help people strive. And right now I've actually had, um, three different, uh, colleagues that have opened up their, um, law office this year. And, you know, I've met with them, I've chatted with them to give them, you know, uh, a, tips of how they can you know uh, you know advertise or um get more clients or what worked for me what didn't things like that and so that's the only way and you know that we're gonna be able to succeed or see our people or minorities or women you know in my for me personally that's really important to see them strive and so um a lot of times it doesn't even have to be, you know, financial help. Like it doesn't have to be a handout. It could literally just be advice of what you've gone through so that they can succeed as well. And so um, there, your, your, your mom's story would definitely be inspirational for many people. And so, yeah, there might be people that uh, that, that will take it the wrong way, but there'll be many more people that will uh, be very grateful to hear her story.
0: Mm, yes. All right mom if you're listening to this part you you, you just heard it from a, an attorney saying another person saying it, attorney approved on the idea of us doing it she was, she was all for it when I when I told it to her um which was which was very surprising um but I think yeah I'm I'm with you 100%. Well well look uh, Raisa I I know we are um we didn't even get to like half of the question so <laughs> we'll have to do a part 2 and I'll invite you back. Awesome. Um, but um, but I think podcast listeners, you heard her. The best way you can support what she's doing is share the content she's putting out. I, I, I um, remind them what your handle is on Instagram and and, and everywhere else you are. Raisa.
1: So my um, law office one is uh, R.D. Rivas Law Offices. And then uh, my personal one is life underscore of underscore Risa. But okay. the, the one where I mostly share the immigration tips is um, R.D. Reba's Law Offices.
0: Got it. Okay, perfect. So that means podcast listeners go over to her page, share her posted content in her timeline over to your story, um, tag her, tag me, you tag me. I'll, I'll, I'll share it as well. Um, but yes, uh, Raisa, thank you so much for joining the podcast, Judy. I was inspired. I think a lot of people who tune, who are tuning in they're also inspired as well.
1: Thank you so much for the invite. I really, really appreciate it.
0: All right, podcast listeners, to wrap this up, I want to remind you to go over to the Strong Life Coach Podcast on Apple Podcasts and give it the five-star rating. Remember to subscribe, whether you're on Apple Podcasts or you're on any of the other 27 different platforms we're on from an audio perspective. Or if you're watching the full YouTube video on YouTube, you can subscribe and be like my 44th subscriber over there. Um, Thank you for tuning in and we'll connect with you on the next episode.